Let us open our Bibles on the book of Jonah. Let us open our, our Bibles on the book of Jonah. Right there on the Old Testament after Obadiah, before Micah. It's a short, short book with four chapters. I shall read the entire first chapter now. However, I intend to preach on the entire book. Okay? I shall read the first chapter in its entirety. Um, but I shall, and I'll read a bit quickly the first chapter. And then I'll, I'll even read some other verses from other chapters. But I intend to preach on the entire book. And so it says the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. The Lord heard a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was on the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, laying down and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us, so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, Come, let us cast lots, so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened and, said, and they said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rode desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Then the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Allow me also to read verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out in my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol, and you heard my voice. You also want to read from chapter 3, verses 1, until the first half of, of verse 3. 
Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And lastly, I want to read chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, the last two verses of the book. Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant which you did not work, and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals? Thus says the word of the Lord. What an odd story is the story of John, right? I mean, guy in the belly of a fish, three days. I mean, it's all, there's nothing usual about this story. Nothing usual. I mean, a prophet of God saying, I don't want to prophesy. I mean, how odd is that? That's the equivalent of a, I don't know, basketball player saying, I don't want to play basketball. Or God calling somebody to come here and preach. God calling a preacher to preach. And the preacher answering me, I don't want to preach. Completely off. And I read this book so many, so many, so many times. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. My number one is Ecclesiastes, but John is quite high as well. And um, I never understood this character. But after you read the book one, two, ten, twenty, thirty times, you kind of pick up a few things. And you learn that Jonah is not called out of the blue, you know? You know he, it was not that he was doing minding his business and all of, the, all of a sudden, from nowhere, God calls him and goes to, go to this odd city and preach. N- nothing like that. See, Jonah, Jonah was a big deal in his time. Jonah was a big deal. If you don't mind, I'm going to read to you from 2 Kings. Let me go there to the second book of Kings. And you can go there if you, if you like. That would be a, quite a, an important background for us. 2 Kings chapter 14. This is the period that Jeroboam II ruled over Jerusalem. Now take a look at 2 Kings 14 verse 25. He, that's the king, okay? That's the king that's ruling over Israel on the northern kingdom. You may remember that the northern kingdom had a succession, I mean, not a succession, a totality of zero good kings. And the kingdom of the south had, uh, it was a hit and miss. Sometimes good kings, sometimes bad kings. But the north was bad and worse and then bad again and worse. And that, that, that's all they knew. But Jeroboam II did good things uh, in terms of the economy of the nation and the, and the position of the nation among others. Verse 25, he, the king, restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath as far as the sea of the Arabah. According to the word of the Lord, now listen to this. According to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai the prophet, who was of Gath Hefer. Now if you go back to Jonah, the book, you see, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai. So this is the same guy. Now, Jonah was a rock star on his days. He was a famous guy. Oh, very famous. He is the prophet that prophesied that the king of the north would have victory in battle. 
And lo and behold, the king had victory. Uh, Jonah, was a, Jonah was a guy that everybody wanted to come near him. He's the guy that prophesied victory and victory came. He's the guy that you want to sit beside him. Maybe he'll deliver to you a prophecy that, I don't know, you're going to be rich or something. He, he's the guy that people like. He's the guy that everybody want to be around. He's the baby. The children on the streets were making songs about how nice Jonah was. Jonah made us. A, a, Jonah gave us nice prophecies. We are getting rich. He he was loved. Everybody loved Jonah. We like that, don't you? I love, I love that. I want to be loved. I really I really do. I'm sure you do too. I want to be hated. Said no one ever. And now, the, the, is, Jonah receives a very different calling. Very different calling. Who was, where was Nineveh? Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. On that lifetime, on that period, on that period, the Assyrians had tried to conquer Israel 14 times. It's a whole lot. Guys, let, let me be quite bold here. None of you and I, none of us, have a clue of how frightening this prospect looked like. None of us know what that, what that looks like. If this nation want to come and conquer, l let me just give you a hint of how nice the Assyrians were. One of the strategies they used to employ was to skin the person alive if the person was conquered in battle. Like, these songs, it is as terrible as it sounds. Why would they do that? To put the terrors in the hearts of everybody so that they would not mess with the Assyrians. And if the Assyrians were threatening them, they should do well. They would do well to shake on their boots. That's basically strategy of war. That's basic strategy of war. And now comes God, and God says, Hey Jonah, hey you, my dear prophet that everybody loves, that only delivers prophecies that everybody loves. I want you to go to the capital of the Assyrian Empire, Nineveh, and I want you to preach to them. Because my intention is to have mercy on them. So you go, cry out against it, I will send my spirit, I will cause them to repent, and I will not punish them. Ah, oh, that's a disaster. Total, total disaster. Disaster for Israel and disaster for Jonah. Now you may think you may be thinking, Philippe, wait, 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 wait. You said disaster for Israel. Why? Oh, I'll prove it to you. Keep a keep a finger on the book of Jonah and go with me. Psalm 122. Please go there. Psalm 122, from verse 6 until the end. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Did you get that? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Guess what? If the Assyrians conquer Israel, there will be no peace in Jerusalem. Here's what there will be in Jerusalem. Smoke and the smell of dead bodies on the street, piling up sky high. Does that sound like peaceful to you? But here's Jonah thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, I have to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. 
But if the Assyrians, if God doesn't destroy the Assyrians, the Assyrians will destroy us. May they prosper who love you. Well, wait a minute. Do the Assyrians love, Is- love Israel? Well, they try to be, they've been trying to conquer us 14 times. So the answer is no, they don't love us. May peace be within your walls and prosperity within your palaces. A note on that. What was standard procedure when you conquer a nation? Particularly at that time. Not only, not only, but particularly. Well, you destroy the places of worship. Why? Because the, nation, the places of worship bring a national character. Bring a lo- it's a location of pride. Israel people tend together. Israel people find a sense of identity. You don't want your conquered nation to have an identity. You want them to become mush. And so they will assimilate within your empire. Places of worship, gone. Walls of Jerusalem, gone. The temple of Jerusalem, the glory of Israel, gone. The royal family, oh, they're double gone. And more, now comes the part that is most peculiar to Jonah. What is it done to the families, not only the prophet, the families of the prophets? Triple gone. Because they are the people that, they are the fellas. The particular key people on the society that others can gather around them. So here's what Jonah is listening. Jonah is listening, God say, go, I want to have mercy on the guys that want to tear you to pieces. That's what God is saying to Jonah. And what does Jonah say? How did he reply? Yes, God, I shall obey you. No. Jonah came up with his new theology on his head. Wait a minute, Psalm number 122 tells me to pray for Jerusalem. But, if the Assyrians have success, Israel will fall. The temple will fall. The walls of Jerusalem will fall. Peace will not be within our gates. But I have to desire peace to be within my gates. So, I'm going to help out the Lord because apparently he just made a mistake. So Jonah came up with his whole idea on his head. And here's his resolution. He arose. Now look at how verse 2 on the book of Jonah chapter 1. Verse verse 2 says, Arise, go to Nineveh. Verse 3, Jonah rose up, but you flee. Jonah could not handle the contradiction. There was no contradiction, by the way. But he thought there was. So he thought, wait a minute, I cannot, I have to obey God, but I have to love Jerusalem. How how, How do I do this now? So Jonah comes up with a plan. I have to be out of the picture. Let me run away from God. I cannot disobey God, but I cannot obey Him. So let me run. What is the end of the world? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there is such a thing. But at that time, there was such a thing that people thought. There was such a thing as they thought in the end of the world. I don't know if you ever traveled on a ship. It's quite nice. Uh, I lived on a ship for 40 years. I loved to go to the top of a ship at night, be like this, on the top of the ship. It's so dark. You you cannot see your hand in front of your nose. And uh, the tempest that he went through, terrifying business. 
but uh, particularly here in where he was by the way he went to he, he went to Joppa and took a ship to Tarshish here's Joppa here's Nineveh here's Tarshish and the location that he's trying to go according to the best research we have so far is he, he took he wanted to take a boat go through the Mediterranean and pass you know the section the place where the African continent almost touches the European continent, right there. For the, the sailors at that time, they, I think they called that location the Pillars of Hercules. They want the ship that is going this way, sees land on the left, land on the right. And when you pass through there, and I actually heard this from a friend that passed through there on a ship. They said, Philip, it looks awesome. It looks like if you stretch your both hands, you can grab both lands. It's, it's a beautiful, uh, what, what nature does there is quite beautiful. And right after you pass through that narrow channel there, you see the open ocean. And he, here's my friend's words. It looks like the end of the world. Why did Jonah want to run away to? The end of the world. He said, I want to run from the presence of the Lord. So let me go to a place that maybe God is not. Let me go to a place where nobody has been. Now, and they called God the God of Israel, right? So I know Israel is here. I'm going to the end of the world. Maybe God will not find me. And this is a man struggling with his own theology, with his own thoughts. What do I do? Jonah looks pretty different right now, doesn't he? He doesn't look like a, just a, a guy that said, no, I'm not going to obey the Lord. He, he was struggling deeply in his heart. And, and also had the issue... Should I forgive the Assyrians? Should I forgive the guys that if they conquer my city, they'll kill my wife and my children? By the way, they would. They would. They really would. God is asking me to preach to some people and if they convert, God will not kill them. If God doesn't kill them, maybe they'll change their minds later and still attack Israel. Do I want to keep the guy that will kill my family alive? Those are not easy questions. Those are not easy questions. Would you preach the gospel to somebody you don't like? Are you willing to go and preach and share the gospel and evangelize? Keyword here, evangelize somebody that you don't even like. Are you willing to do that? Jonah wasn't. Jonah, and by the way, on Jonah's case, the life of his family was on the line. I don't think the life of your family is on any line whatsoever, by the way. Are you willing to go? Now Jonah thought, what do I do? What do I do? I think God is putting me in a difficult spot. Jonah was quite ready to pray that God would strike Nineveh. Jonah was quite ready to pray that God would wipe them. But Jonah was not ready to preach to them. But God, God turned things around. And Jonah came to repentance. And look at how amazing God is. Guys, I'm not, I'm not here preaching to say to you, Jonah is a bad guy. No, here's what I'm telling you. Here's your mirror. I hope you heard me. Here's your mirror. Here's my mirror. 
I am Jonah, very much so. Because I concoct my own thoughts about how to obey the Lord. And God's message was so, so simple. You have a, a location, Nineveh. You have a duty, preach. That's it. That's it. He could have preached the worst sermon in the universe. By the way, he was. And that would have been fine. God just said, go and preach. And he could not do that. I heard... You see, John is quite a mirror for us. I, this missionary, Brazilian missionary that I admire very much once, was in a, a church in Brazil, talking about the duty of evangelism and the duty of missions. A duty that the Lord Jesus sees, gives us the privilege, so that we may be his co-worker. And he preached on, on that privilege. And then on the end of the, on the, end of the service... After the service was over, people were talking. This fella came to this missionary that I admire very much and told him, missionary, I don't like missions very much. And the missionary asked him, what's up with that? Why? And he said, you know what? Let me be frank with you. I know that when we preach, that we share the gospel with other people. I know that God works. I know that God saves. And if that happens, I know that our church will be full. By then, you should be like, yes, 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 right? And then he said, but here's the problem. If our church grows, let me tell what's going to happen. They're going to try to enlarge this building. And here's, they're going to knock that wall there. Because they're going to have to extend. But my father built that wall. So I don't want to see the, the wall that my father built being knocked down. So I don't think this, I don't know, I'm not very inclined to this evangelism business. Now the Ninevites look pretty good by now, don't they? The Ninevites would pretty much be doing the word of favor, striking these people down, don't, wouldn't they? Guys, this is our mirror. This is our mirror. And at the first sign of obedience, people were already being saved. Did you get that? Jonah, Jonah did not say sorry. Jonah just said, let me tell you sailors what's happening. We are on this mess because of me. Straight to the point. And guys, they were terrified. See, they were casting lots. Uh, here, this is one theological question for you. How do you cast lots on a ship that is moving crazy like this? I, I don't know how they managed. I know that they did. And there they are, casting lots. I don't know which fire... They found, because you don't light a fire on a ship. Because of wood, it's dangerous. I don't know how they did. Maybe it was full moon. But they did. And they choose, let's, let's throw this guy down. And they even prayed, God, see, we, we, he, this is not murder. God, we, we just want to be pre preserved. Please don't put this guy's blood on our account. They throw the guy. See, he's quiet. And what does the Bible say? They feared the Lord greatly. They offered a sacrifice and made vows. I think this is carefully chosen to say, this is a visible evidence that these people had a change of heart. I believe that's what's taking place here. And then Jonah prays in the belly of a fish. Have you ever been on the belly of a fish? Let me walk you through. I've never been there myself, but I have an imagination. Uh, Everything in a stomach is built, is designed to decompose. 
the matter. When the foreign matter arrives, food, everything in your stomach is designed to decompose that, to break that, to deform that, so that can be better extracted, the proteins, the juices, the, the, the nutrients can be better taken and, and applied to your, eventually to your, blood, to your bloodstream. Picture you live in a stomach. The amount of acid on a stomach is mind-blowing. I picture Jonah rising from this fish three days later. I mean, hair on his body, I don't think he had one. Have you ever seen victims of third degree burn? I would imagine Jonah to be dead from head to toe. I have doubts that this man could still see 2020 on his eyes. I, I really doubt that. Because being on an acid, abundant environment, swimming on that for three days, I think, let alone how he breathed, I don't know. But I, I have my doubts that he, he kept his eyesight. And then he's vomited on the sea, and he rises up this monstrous looking man. And by the way, that's the Mediterranean Sea. Nineveh is all the way there on the Mesopotamian region, more or less there. That's, I don't know, two months' walk? So I would imagine, I mean, he, he came out of the fish, he could not walk, I mean, his legs, it, if one leg would touch the other, he would scream in pain. It should take maybe, I don't know, maybe half a year just to recover. Just to recover. And then walk. I don't know how long he had to wait until his beard grow. You know, at that time for a man to be walking beardless was kind of a shame. Remember that passage from the Bible that the people of Israel wanted to be shamed and half of them were shaved, the other half not. So they, they were so embarrassed. I would imagine Jonah had to wait a few months until his beard would grow again. So he would have a, a courage to go out in public. And then walk miles, and maybe months, all the way to Nineveh. Who was his translator? Never mind that. I don't know. I don't know if he spoke Ninevishan. I, I don't know. And there he is. And he's still hard of heart. Do you get that? God had to rip this man's skin apart. Cause him to half lose his sight. Cause him to go through one of the most traumatic things a man can go through. The, the belly of a fish. He became food to his food. God humiliated him to the bone. And yet, he did not repent fully. No, he prayed alright. Oh, I love his prayer. Look at this. I called out of my distress. Massive distress. And God answered me. Look at verse 9. On the end. Salvation is from the Lord. But do you know who salvation is he thinking about? His own. Jonah had the theology for him. And a theology for another theology for other people. I want to be saved. Lord, you can save me. Lord, I want to be saved. Lord, please save me. But you Ninevites. I, I, I'm not going to move a finger for your salvation. Is this a mirror? I, pre I ask you now. Is this a mirror? Would you move a finger for the salvation of souls? And there he goes. And long, I would imagine Nineveh should be long and thin because 
three days to walk, 120,000 people. I don't imagine a large city on this sense, but I imagine a thin and narrow, long city. And he walked. And, here, and here's his sermon. Uh, what is it again? I, verse 4, chapter 3. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That was the guy's sermon. Look at the size of my sermon. No introduction. Point one, point two, point three. Conclusion. Post thought. After thought. Prelude. Preface. No, nothing. Forty days you all go to hell. Let me submit to you. Nobody preaches that when they want people to be converted. Fair enough. And that's what he preached. Now I want you to see how God is beautiful. Look at how, look at how really beautiful God is. God used the worst sermon in history of mankind to convert 120 people like that. How does that sound? See how beautiful God is. A prophet that don't want anybody to be saved. But God that is really to save. Why would God have mercy on anything? I have I, ha, I haven't the foggiest idea. I, I, I really don't. I, I really don't. But then again, why would God save me? But then again, why would God save you? Let me tell the difference between the, the Ninevites and us. Geography and time. That's, that's the extent of it. That's the extent of it. Now, when, when, I, when I really think about this, I think, if I were like Jonah, I would be looking pretty good because I, 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 maybe I would be the Ninevites. Maybe I would be one of them. And then God saves and then Jonah gets upset. Jonah gets upset and he says, God, isn't that... He complains. God, isn't that what I said? Isn't that why I didn't want to leave in the first place? I knew you would save them. You are... And, and it looks like he's doing the best prayer in the planet. He's saying, you are merciful. You are kind. You are compassionate. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And that's why I didn't want to leave. That's why I don't want to preach. Because you are going to save them. But for him... The salvation of others meant, maybe, on his head, on the future, if they would eventually attack Israel, the death of his own family. Now, do you see why he was disobeying God in the beginning? Because maybe, eventually, perhaps, there is a slight possibility of if it doesn't rain after the rain, you know? But all of that, on his book... Now that I'm justified to disobey the Lord. Now let's compare Jonah with Jesus. Jesus grew up on a similar environment to Jonah. Jonah grew up under the threat of the Assyrians. Jesus grew up under the threat of the Romans. Jonah didn't want to see the Assyrians converted. Jesus is the power of conversion for anyone that believes in him. You see the massive difference? Another one. 
Jonah feared that perhaps if the Ninevites attacked Israel, his family would die. He would die. Now here's Jesus. Jesus knew for a fact that if he preached, he would be killed. He knew for a fact. And what did Jonah do with that information? He ran from the Lord. What did Jesus do with that information? John chapter 6. It is the will of the Father that I lose none that he has given me. And all those who come to me, I will by no means cast them out. Full conformity. Hallelujah. Jonah was afraid. Was Jesus afraid? Yeah, yeah, he was. Yes, he was. Remember when he was sweating blood? Remember that? Garden of Gethsemane? That's actually biologically plausible. I was reading about this. If your body gets to a point of phenomenal stress and depression, it is actually possible that a psychosomatic reaction would be the pores of your skin to be ripped apart, thus giving the effect that you're sweating blood. Yeah, he was. He was. He was afraid. Extremely concerned. Yet he obeyed. Yet he obeyed. Jonah was on the belly of a fish. Jonah was dead figuratively for three days. Jesus was dead literally for three days. Jonah rose from the fish looking a mess. Jesus rose from the fish looking glorious. Jonah rose from the fish unwilling to see people saved. Jesus rose from the fish to prove that he saves. The Bible says that his resurrection is the fruit, is the first fruits, is the proof that his people shall enjoy similar resurrection. Another one. Jonah rose from the fish and what did he preach? You shall go to hell. Jesus rose from the dead and what did he preach? Not only you can go to heaven, but I am heaven. I am your heaven. You take Jesus, throw him on hell, hell will become heaven. Take Jesus, take him from heaven, heaven will become hell. Jesus is heaven. I'm not denying the geographical component of heaven, okay? Of hell or heaven. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying that Jesus' presence makes heaven. Jonah had somewhat, somewhat, right theology. Somewhat. But a heart that was confused through and through. Jesus, it's unfair to say that Jesus had a good theology. Jesus is theology. Jesus is the knowledge of God. We do theology by looking at him. He is God. And he had the right heart. Here's, I want, I want to end the sermon considering this. Do not be afraid of missions. Do not. Now, let's be honest. Mission is messy. Boy, you, wanna, you, want, you, want, a, you want a Pandora box for you? Do missions, for sure. I, I, I kid you not. Because that's new people. People that you don't know. People that you bring their problems. 
just like yours. But we are called to do that. We are called to do that. God calls people to sometimes do some things that are awkward. Very awkward. Think about how people used to worship the Lord on the Old Testament. Have you killed an animal? Have you smelled burned blood? That thing stinks. God called. Have you seen a baby being circumcised? Not, not pretty to watch. Messy event. Messy picture. Odd. The other day I was on a family worship in my home. I described... I was talking about God giving the circumcision to, to Abraham. And my daughter looked at me and said, That's weird. Doing missions will bring weird. Doing God's will will bring us to places that we call weird, that we call uncomfortable. But what are you going to do? Go to the end of the earth? Run away from the presence of God? Now, let's say you do think the earth has an end. Well, God will be there even more than here, maybe. Because if you're going there, maybe God is not so much here. Because if you'd be here more, you'll not have left. But I tell you, He'll be there. And isn't that what the Bible says? If I go to the highest heavens, you are there. If I sink to the bottom of the seas, there your hand shall find me. Hallelujah. The hand of God shall find us. Then do the work of missions. Preach. The work of Christ. Another concluding thought. Sometimes you may have you may find it hard to forgive some people. Uh, Philippe, I don't want to preach the gospel to that dude. Because that dude owes me money. Philippe, that woman there. Now think of a woman that gossips more than the tongue can handle. I don't want to preach the gospel to her. Well, what about Jonah? Aren't you going to learn with Jonah's life? And furthermore, you may, I hope not, 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 but maybe, you are thinking of a thousand reasons in your head right now on why not to do missions. Let me tell you, Jonah will see all your reasons and he will raise you. You have reasons not to do missions? I have triple, quadruple. Pick a number. I have more than you. And I think if Jonah could, he would have written himself a very different history. Let us learn from Christ that got it right in the first place and saw that salvation is a gift. It's a gift And when we receive a gift and we enjoy that gift, we want others to have that gift. So let us preach about the gift of salvation. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, blessed be your name. For your hand finds people on the pinnacle of the skies and on the lowest of the oceans. Lord, may your hand find me, find us, and guide us, and assist us. Help us, O oh Lord, on our theology. Help us, O oh Lord, on our application of your, of your desires for us. Help us, O oh Lord, in sharing the gospel to others. 
Help us, O Lord, in seeing Jesus, how he was. Far superior than Jonah. Far superior than we can ever hope to be. Lord, let us look at the altar and perfecter of our faith, the altar and giver of salvation. And let us love him. Let us be more like him. And let us talk about him. Let us share the go his gospel for the glory of his name. And Lord, we pray on that blessed name. Amen and amen.